Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Ken loves talking all about cars, past, present, and future. Here he is, that automotive nerd with a historical twist, Ken Chester. Welcome to America's premier automotive news and information talk show. <laughs> That's right. This is Roadworthy Drive, and I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. If this is your first time joining us, let me tell you that this is not your father's car show. Roadworthy Drive is a consumer-oriented program that informs, explains, and even entertains you as we talk about the evolving technology and industry news that you need to know in plain English. No corporate jargon here. This is the place where you get to understand the terms that are being flung around in the news and online, and more importantly, my team and I equip you with the true and accurate information that will help you get the most from your automotive dollar from buying, selling, or even maintaining your wheels, no matter how new or how old. From flying cars to electric tractor-trailer rigs, we got you covered. As a result, every hour of our program is jam-packed with news and information, and as usual, this hour is no exception. In a few minutes, I will introduce you to the Aria FXE, an American-made mid-engine advanced sports car, and Toyota's latest venture in a power generation. That's for breaking the news segment. During the second segment of the program, I will talk about Apple's self-driving, self-driving car testing in Arizona. Are they on? Are they off? Are they going to build a car or not? We'll talk about that. Coming up after that, I will talk about cell phone maker Samsung's several activities about and commitment to self-driving vehicle tech. All that and more this hour. For those of you who want to connect with me in the show, there are several ways. Call or text the Roadworthy Drive line at 872-222-9793, and that's anytime, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, or you can email me at ken at roadworthydrive.com. Either way, drops you right in the middle of the action. Putting the show together for you each and every week requires a dedicated team of people, research, production, and more. The one man responsible for the safe operation of the program when it's underway, and because the suits require it, is none other than my friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack DeLeon. Jack, how you doing, friend? I'm good, sir, but I have a complaint I need to file with you. Oh, God. The suit's been talking to you again? No. This oh, okay. it, no, this is far worse than the suits. Oh, it can't be any worse than the suits. Uh, yes, this would be my wife. Oh, well, uh, I got nothing. No, she is threatening now, as my Christmas present this year, to buy me a shirt that says, and I quote... I am the adult in the room. I will help pay for that T-shirt. Uh, no, you won't. Come on now. Oh, no, you won't. I mean, this is the last thing that I need to have happen. Oh, Leanne we, and I will talk. We, okay. we, we need that I here. forbid you to ever talk to my wife <laughs> Oh, my. Again. Okay, children. Okay, children. Okay, okay Ken, we, what's going on this week? Okay, I want to talk to you about a vehicle that was introduced as a concept earlier this year, and they actually produced a vehicle that they're actually going to build. Um, and they introduced the LA Auto Show this year. It's called the FXE, and it's developed by a company called Aria Group, a premier leader in the full-range design, engineering, and manufacturing uh, solutions for the transportation, aerospace, entertainment, and production industries. These guys 
have actually designed prototypes for Honda, Toyota, Tesla, Ford, GM, Disney, Paramount, and North Fork Garmin, and not to mention uh, Elon Musk's favorite project, SpaceX, to name a few. They developed a car. Say what? For yes. Disney? Hey, I'm just reading here. Let me talk to you about the car they built. This car is 1,150 horsepower, 1,316 pounds of torque. It is a 6.8-liter V8 short block, four-wheel drive with what they call an E-front axle with torque vectoring, a 10-kilowatt-hour lithium-ion battery pack, and it weighs about a ton and a half. Well, I'll back this truck up. Yes. Eleven hundred and fifty horsepower. Yes, sir. Did I mention mid-engine advanced sports car? And I should add the word hybrid. No, I'm going to add um, this. Ludicrous speed. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Estimate. Okay. Estimated zero to sixty time. 3.1 seconds. I'll take one okay. in gold. Okay, it still didn't beat uh, no. uh, Dodge's uh, 2.3. Uh, excuse me. Didn't beat the Tesla Model S, though, with ludicrous speed? Yes. 2.3 also, Motor Trend, earlier this year. I know. Just saying. Now, they're going to build 400 of these. And I quote from the founder and CEO of the company. We believe enthusiasts not only in America, but around the world, are looking for a car that delivers this level of performance built by a small manufacturer with the proven level of quality and exclusivity that Aria can deliver. I'm sorry. Um, I can think of several vehicles. Uh, Mercedes makes a few. Yep. BMW does also. Oh, yes. Uh, may also throw in the uh, Dodge Demon Yep. that we talked about. Uh, and then, of course, there's always the Model S with... Uh, we know that's right. I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, excuse me, Kent. What exactly are they asking for? You know, they're not... I did not see anything about price here. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If it is comparable to ca- other cars like that, at the very least, I would expect a mid to high six-figure number. Okay, but... And maybe even a little higher than that. My question is, I mean, they're making it seem like they're the only ones putting something out there like this. Mm-hmm. And we can name four or five other, mm-hmm. you know, labels that are also putting out. And they actually do have an established track record with their product. Let's start with the Porsche E918. Let's do that. Which had a sticker price of nearly a million dollars. Yes. That's no longer in production. And it was a hybrid. BMW i8. It is a low six-figure number, and that thing burns up the pavement. And Mercedes-Benz has shown prototypes of vehicles that will go that fast. Yeah. And we left out Lamborghini and Maserati. And the difference is this is American-made, but there are other American manufacturers building low-volume, oh-my-God, vehicles of speed. Didn't I just see something the other day about um, one of the Ford F-150s if they— that they basically put Carol Shelby's label on oh. that, it, that it said on on the emblem on the truck. Right. 750 horsepower. You're thinking about the Roosh uh, supercharged. Yeah. The, the Roush. Roush, yep. yes. Roush. Thank you, Roush. Uh, yes, and we covered that at the Chicago Auto Show earlier this year. Because remember, I brought you back a brochure. Yep. That is just. And that was re- hundred. And that was $100,000. Yeah. 
but that much horsepower is just ridiculous. Indeed it is. Well, I mean, and that's not for your average, you know, just driving around. That's for people that actually collect these and then just kind of storm away, which seems like a shame for all those ponies underneath the hood. Well, well, it, well, it is, but that's the way it goes. Now, Ken, the other question I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Toyota is going to go into the power generating business? Toyota will build the first megawatt-scale carbonate fuel cell power generation plant with, wait for it, a hydrogen fueling station to support its operations at the Port of Long Beach. Remember, we talked about hydrogen-powered drayage vehicles being tested in real time at the Port of Long Beach Correct. that Toyota made. Yep. Here is the kicker. They call it TriGen. It's the first power generation facility making hydrogen that is 100% renewable. Okay. They're going to use bio-waste sourced from California agricultural waste to generate water, electricity, and hydrogen. They're not going to burn any fossil fuel at all, which is interesting because the last show we talked about, hydrogen is primarily made from natural gas. Right. Not this one. And if I throw this in, I've talked about before how some of the automakers have these very long-range plans. Yep. I said Toyota had 50- and 100-year plans. Yep. Mm -hmm. May I quote, TriGen is a major step forward for sustainable mobility and a key accomplishment of our 2050 environmental challenge to achieve a net zero CO2 emissions from our operations. Uh, People, that's over 32 years from now. Wow. They're not playing. Okay. They're going to do this. And it looks like, and it kind of went sideways, and I'm really not sure. At first, when they talked about their hydrogen engine, they were talking about making that available to other truck makers. In this piece, it says, and I quote, Toyota's heavy-duty hydrogen fuel cell Class 8 truck, known as Project Portal. And that's what they're talking about, fueling. So I don't know if they're actually going to go into the heavy-duty truck business via hydrogen or not. But as they say around here... Watch this space. So we'll find out for sure. But that's a thing that's happening. And again, like we said, different. it's going to be different. Mobility has all these differences. And this is just one more. Technology moves forward. Next, when I come back, Apple tests autonomous cars in Arizona. And then coming up, Samsung steps up its self-driving vehicle activities. Don't touch that dial. You are tuned to Roadworthy Drive. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. for 72. For the past 12 years, Impala has been the way more people have seen the USA. Because with Impala, you don't leave the comforts of home, home. It's a totally more pleasurable way to travel. For 72, Chevrolet has improved the power ventilation system and the shock absorbers. And Impala has a new front bumper system for added front-end protection. Chevrolet wants your new Impala to be the best car you ever owned. Oh, man. 
Chevrolet. Building a better way to see the USA. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Welcome to the second segment of this hour. This is Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. The folks at Apple have been in this on-again, off-again relationship with the development of a self-driving car. For a while, it seemed that the company was going full in on an Apple car, while at other times it seems that they were going to be content with just developing the brains for such an effort, leaving the hardware development to others. Well, let's see what you think about this piece of news that I found out. Now, you may remember, we've reported here a number of months ago that Apple had actually applied with the state of California to uh, test cars autonomously, which is what you have to do if you want to be on the highways and byways of the state of California. But Apple now is preparing, and I quote, and this is for Sasha, she'll appreciate this, <laughs> to test autonomous vehicles at an old Fiat Chrysler testing ground in the uh, Arizona desert near Phoenix. Um, that testing ground uh-huh. was supposed to actually go away because when it was Daimler Chrysler back yeah. about 12 years ago, yeah. they sold it for $312 million to a developer who was supposed to build some 16,500 homes on the site. Mm-hmm. Never happened. Ever? Ever. Wow. So he must not have even demolished it. I mean, it, no. must, it must still be the same as it was 12 years ago. No, but here's the thing. Um, they're going to have to sink some money in that puppy. If it's been vacant for 12 years and yeah. unused, uh, you're going to have to spend some money to pick it up. Also, um, here's an interesting aside. Um, I know a fellow auto journalist, retired now, who owned a piece of property next to that. He used to tell stories uh, that he used to get spy photography, but putting a blind up on his property overlooking the Chrysler testing grounds was nothing they could do. Yeah. Yeah. That was Jim Dunn of Popular Mechanics, a yes. gentleman's gentleman and a very dear friend of mine. Yes. Very dear friend of mine. Amazing guy. He had a million stories. He liked to tell this one. He's, he's still alive. As far as I know. As far as I know. An amazing man. Make a note, Sasha, we need to get him as a guest. Yes. An amazing, on top of that. Amazing fellow. Wrote some books, by the way. Yes, he did. I've actually got one uh, or two. I, two. A um, little hard to get hold of, but we'll see what we can do. I know somebody who should be able to get us hooked up with him. Good. If he's still in the mood to talk to people. But anyway, getting back to Apple. <laughs> Apple is recruiting engineers and technicians to come to work at the site. Now they're newly formed, autonomous, electric car, electric vehicle strategy. They actually patented a uh, scientific paper um, regarding LIDAR. Now, LIDAR is a form of radar that uses light pulses and measuring mm-hmm. in order to detect things. Um, so they're going, and it looks like at this point um, that they are going to lease the proving grounds for sure, um, and they are recruiting automotive test engineers and technicians from other proving grounds in the state, and they've got this, and I quote, revamped approach to self-driving cars, whatever that means, because they're still being a they're little They're going to get back in it again. Yeah, but the question is, are they going to develop the brains of the thing? Or are they going to actually get into the hardware? Yeah, and see that, I think, if Apple proves to be specifically Apple, I'm hoping at some point they're going to get away from their isolation technology and understand that the money is actually in the software, in the brains, in manufacturing something that, you know, will go into everything else. Well, I may quote this. Uh, Apple scuttled plans last year to build a self-driving car of its own after a haphazard effort. Now it's focused on the underlying technology that can make an autonomous car drive itself. Here's the problem. 
There's hundreds of companies in that space right now. Yep. From Beidou in China, um, a host of other ones. Intel bought Mobileye. They're deep in it. You've got Google through Waymo. They're deep in it. I mean, what, GM, what it? Dyson? Ford, they're deep <laughs> in it. Tyson, uh, the the uh, Dyson, Dyson. Thank you. Uh, the vacuum cleaner people yes. are in it oh too. Oh my gosh! Yes, and spending four and a half billion dollars. Yep, to be in this space. Everybody, again, the example that I like to give is back in the day. You remember uh, 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 VHRs. And VHS and versus beta. Versus beta. Yep. You know, you had two schools of thought, both going after the public, beta machines, VHS machines. Neither one was compatible, but they were competing for the dollars of the American consumer. Oh, my gosh. That's like a laser disc versus the DVD. Remember those laser discs? Mm-hmm. Vaguely. Or, you know... Uh, Lotus software versus uh, Microsoft software back in the days of oh, Office. Yes. And, yes. No, and nobody remembers one of the first uh, spreadsheet programs called VisiCalc. That nobody remembers that. That was before Lotus 1, 2, 3, I've 4, never XL. Heard of it. No. Uh, actually used it, I'm embarrassed to say, many moon, many much moon ago. That's almost saying that. But again, <laughs> back to Apple. So are you saying that basically Apple once again is late to the party? I don't know if they're late. Uh, if beca- you've got hundreds of companies already in this arena, and now Apple's going to show up after they said no, and they're playing this yes, no, yes, no, yes, no game, mm-hmm. they're a little late to the party as well, far as I'm concerned. But there's no – the only company right now that has actually got a order in hand to build an autonomous car for delivery is Volvo. The only other company – who is actually building autonomous cars on their assembly line as we speak is, is General Motors. Yeah. It's not by any means over. It, if anything, this is a big, wide, one of these dis- creative, disruptive, oh my God, world changing. It's going to change the way we get around for the rest of our lives. Yep. And the thing is, it ain't over. Even when we get this autonomous thing figured out in the next 20, 30 years, there'll still be another revolutionary way beyond that that makes this look like child's play. I'm just waiting for transporters to come. That right? Might, and, that, and that might be the next wave long after we're gone. And what about beam me up, Scotty? I got That's no, what I'm talking I, about. Yeah, right? People, I got nothing on that. But Apple, as we reported here, Apple publicly reemerged from the self-driving field in April when the California Department of Motor Vehicles granted the company permit to test autom- autonomous driving technology. And, oh, by the way, they rented the cars from Hertz and modified them. Okay. Just saying. Did they stick to a specific uh, model of uh, car? They didn't get into that. I know that they said that it was Hertz, but, but I'm curious as to what model they chose. Uh, it would probably be one of two, which seemed to be the preference. And, that's the, and it's a particular Lexus model. The RX three hundred and fifty, okay, uh, or um, another, or the Volvo XC ninety, uh, which was particularly designed working with uh, Uber to do this. Okay, coming up next, Samsung throws its hat in the self driving vehicle ring in big ways, and for the final segment, electric trucks and lithium batteries. Your Tesla update. This is Roadworthy Drive. <laughs> This is Roadworthy Drive. 
This is the next to last segment for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm so glad you could drop by. I'm Ken Chester. For those of you who want or need more than your fair share of the road, check out the show website. That's roadworthydrive.com. Listen to audio clips of shows you may have missed. Watch video of our behind-the-scenes antics in studio. And it was quite a bit of antics in studio uh, at the break this past time. Uh, actually had to have the adult in the room kind of bring us back to subject. If you didn't see that online, you really missed a good time. As we produce the show and more. The website is a great place to find out where we are and what we are doing in the world of social media. Sasha is our social media diva who works hard during the week between shows to bring you the latest in automotive technology and entertaining items of interest. See how she keeps the social in our social media. Oh, and in case you may not know it, you can watch our behind-the-scenes antics live via the YouTube live channel. That's our channel. During our recording times are also found on the show website. Now, I want to talk about Samsung. You know him as that South Korean manufacturer of awesome cell phones and accessories, uh, the the Galaxy Note 7 mm. notwithstanding. Mm. People uh-huh. make mistakes. I know that's Don't right. Don't be hating. I still have the Note 5, and I love it. See? Hey. I'm, I'm switching over to Asus. I'm sorry. <sighs> Hater. Anyway. <laughs> Hater in the house. Um. That rhymes with something else, too. Uh, don't even go there. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Private joke, folks. You have to check out the live to see what we were talking about. <laughs> anyway, they're making some serious inroads, both regarding batteries and self-driving cars. Yeah, I, I did say Samsung and self-driving cars. Bear with me. I, I will explain. Now, we haven't seen this kind of gold rush mentality Since the early dot-com days of the 1990s, seems like everybody's jumping in, and Samsung is no exception. Let's start first with their self-driving bet. They actually bought a company uh, that specialized in automotive technology, uh, Harman Industries. They paid $8 billion for the company. uh, And they're setting up a business unit to house autonomous driving products. And then Samsung upped the ante by setting up $300 million into a new fund investing in startups in the autonomous driving space. That's $8.3 billion, folks, with a B. They ain't playing. Now, this new autonomous driving unit that Samsung's got will compete on, ev- will compete on everything from driving algorithms. That's how the car thinks and making decisions in certain road situations as it goes down the road, to system integration. That will also include an advanced driver assistance platform, keywords with open software. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. That allows outside engineers to build products off it. Yep. Um, Apparently, Apple's not the only one with a closed system. It appears that Mobileye has also got a closed system, but Intel bought them. They were an Israeli firm, and that was $15 billion. Yeah, and it'll be very interesting to see whether Intel's going to open that up. Um, I personally am all for, especially right now, is am all for an open source type of platform that will allow different ideas and allow the technology to go in different ways. Um, and maybe allow someone that's just in their basement or something like that. That You know what I'm saying, though? I mean, that's it's scary, possible. That's scary, okay? I don't want my car powered by somebody tinkering in the basement. Ah. That's just me. I'm going to tell you is 
that Harman's chief executive officer said, our industry is literally streaming saying, we love Mobileye, but we need an open platform. But again, Samsung's not the only one with an open platform. We talked about Beidou as being another one with an open platform yep. that has opened it up, a Chinese company. Uh, it's open season. Now, why does an open platform mean anything? Let me explain it to you. With an open platform, it means that the collective, everybody who has access to that platform can add value to it. In other words, the sum of the many become greater. Um, perfect example would be uh, Linux as a platform, uh, which was an open source, source platform. Yep. People would get it, find a bug, improve it, release it, enhance it. But the thing is, people benefited from having access to make it a better platform. Okay, let me see if I understand this correctly. Mm -hmm. Would, like, the Android system be an open source? In a way, kind kind of. of, It was earlier. I'm not so sure now, but when it first started out, when Google first opened it, yes, it was. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, But, again, the more people that can interact with it, that um, And obviously, in any open platform system, you have to have some level of security and validation. Yep. People are not just throwing changes in there that could gum up the works. I Correct. Mean, it, there's, there is an, when you hear the words open platform, yeah, it's open, but no, you just can't throw anything in it. Yeah, like I can't just be sitting at home and just throw it in there so that way all orange cars make a constant left-hand turn. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Orange <laughs> cars. Oh, mm. oh, so we now are allowing orange cars in NASCAR? I'm not getting there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Now, that startup funding we're talking about, Yep. the guy that's running it is from Delphi Automotive's automotive oh. vehicle project in Silicon Valley. They're not playing. They're getting the heavy hitters in the industry involved. They've already invested in an, a, an Australian firm. Um, they actually put in $90 million. I'm sorry, I said Australia. I mean Austria. Austria. Based developer of platforms and safety software for connected cars. Actually, their software is already being used in the Audi A8. They're not playing. So the thing is that it's not just the automakers anymore. So let me jump to this because I'm going to jump a little bit. I want to talk about this. Samsung has developed a graphene-based battery. About time. Same people. Takes 12 minutes to get fully charged. Now, your first blush with the battery debacle of the Galaxy Note 7, Mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, okay. But remember, we just talked about Samsung, $8 billion developing autonomous cars. Yep. Imagine if they can take this graphene battery and scale it up to go into a car. Graphene has been touted as the electronics industry's miracle material, given its strength, electrical conductivity, and elasticity. They've developed a new graphene-based battery that will give around a 45% high capacity, higher capacity than batteries on the market right now. Did I mention 45% more? Yep. Now. 12 minutes completely charged. Now, how much graphene would it take to charge an electric car? I, that's don't that, know, but yeah. I'll tell you what, way less than you think. Who it, who was the one that basically was trying to come up with graphene all the way around the car? We, we talked about that a couple months ago. Well, we've been talking right. a lot about graphene. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a paint. 
Oh, we're talking about paint. the paint. You're right. Yeah. It was the paint. It was the paint. And, and we're the... talking about the house. Yep. But uh, again, as the kid says, you're going to watch this space because they're going to figure out how to put those two together. And that could be uh, just groundbreaking. Graphene battery in an EV that could charge quickly. Yeah, even Tesla would have to sit up and take notice. Now, for the final segment, if it's all about electric trucks and lithium batteries, then this must be the Tesla Roundup. And that's next. This is Roadworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Graphene gets us excited. That's all I can say. Um, you're going to want to go to um, our YouTube live channel and find out what we're talking about. You missed you missed between the break a very intense conversation about the properties of graphene and why graphene actually is going to be a major benefit in the years to come, both in the charging and uh, recharging of vehicles, everything from trucks to cars to whatever. It's, it's worth getting in there. I think you'll find it interesting. Now, if you're tuning in, this is the fourth and final segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Now, regular listeners of this program know I've been keeping you up to date on all things Tesla. From its challenges in building the new Model 3 sedan to a discussion of its new electric tractor trailer rig, I've kept you full to the brim on what's going on. And this segment is no exception. The only difference this week is that I'm actually going to have some good news from Elon Musk to share. And I know Sasha will like that. I like good news. Uh, yes, you like good news. So let's get into it. We'll start with this from Australia. Um, Elon Musk beat his deadline and turned on the world's biggest lithium-ion battery in South Australia. It will supply power to 30,000 homes. Here's the kicker. It is completely renewable energy. Wow. It yep. is storing energy generated from a wind farm and a solar farm. The biggest problem in South Australia is that the farms existed, but they couldn't control when they could feed the power into the grid. So powered, dependable electric power was spotty at best. Um, now, with, lithium, with this 100 megawatt uh, uh, setup that Elon Musk built and beat his deadline, they can control and, and even out the availability of electricity in a place where they couldn't get fossil fuels. They couldn't build the plants. They were too far away. So that's some good news. Um, let me see here. Now, but here's the thing. You also need to know this. With battery prices tumbling by almost half since 2014, that's less than four years ago, these kind of projects are popping up around the world. In fact, their developers have announced lithium-ion battery projects with a total capacity of 1,650 megawatts per hour in 2017, four times the amount of last year. Wow. We used to talk about megawatts in power plants. Yep. Yeah. Now we're talking about battery storage. Yep. And the beautiful part is this is the missing link between renewable energy and the grid. The biggest problem they were having was renewable energy is fine, but if the wind ain't blowing and the sun ain't shining, what's the point? The beautiful part is falling prices of lithium-ion batteries 
made power storage a possibility as a part of having a peaker plant or plant that was spinning to come online when it dropped below the base load. You don't need it now. You'd need the batteries. And that's one of the things that he's got going on. Um, here's the thing they was talking about. South Australia mm-hmm. gets 41% of its electricity from renewable energy, one of the highest penetrations of wind and solar in the world. And that's not the only project Elon Musk got going on. So you've got that. Now, this is worthy of note. I want to read all of this really quick. Uh, they're connected to a wind farm in Hornsdale owned by French renewable energy company Neon. Um, it's the first time the state has been able to reliably dispatch wind energy to the grid 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's what we talked about. But that's not all our boy's been doing. Um, he's doing work in Puerto Rico, but not with, with wind farms, with solar and, and battery projects. Right. In Puerto Rico. Um, hospital being one of the first many solar and storage projects. See, people thought that Elon Musk was out of his mind buying a solar company. And a battery company. Oh, he spread too thin, they said. Folks, check this out. Putting these together, he's figured out how to remove the variability of renewable energy by having it a low-cost storage mechanism that could release to the grid in an even, dependable way, like a power plant, without needing the power plant. Well, and the other thing, too, is, as we all know, when the hurricane went through Puerto Rico this year. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And they've had a heck of a time getting their their power infrastructure back up. Yeah, and still having that problem. And one of the things that he was able to do, like you said, was he went to the hospital, which is essential. Right. Mm-hmm. And has come up with a solution where they can power the hospital. The hospital can do what it needs to do to help everybody else yep. without mm-hmm. having to worry about the guys running the power lines and trying mm-hmm. to make everything work again. Mm-hmm. Well, and wasn't there a story where he made a bet that he'd be able to be able to that fully was, That was Australia. That was Australia. No, 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 no. But wasn't there something where he made a snide comment about how he'd be able to fully restore power to Puerto Rico before their actual infrastructure was repaired? That wouldn't surprise me. I don't remember reading that. I remember the bet he made in Australia. Australia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, let me throw this at you. Okay. Here's, and here's the reason why it matters on an automotive show. If Elon Musk can do this large scale and work it out and get the prices down, don't you think that some of this technology will work its way into his automotive products? Yes. Like, yep. I don't know. An 18-wheel truck. Right. Imagine solar panels. All on, around the. Or, no, on the top of the trailer. the trailer. Yep. And that's why you have trailers specifically and for then, the Tesla Semi. And then maybe you have batteries that take that power and use a smaller displacement diesel engine or gasoline engine or a hydrogen-powered engine or lithium-ion uh, battery-powered engine to use the engine. So you've got them, two working in tandem at a price that is falling. And on that note, DHL has pre-ordered 10 Tesla semis at $5,000 a piece down payment. Yep. Now, there's some confusion in the industry, and I want to clarify this. Some people are saying that Tesla did announce prices and they're highly discounted. Others are saying they haven't finalized final prices yet. And people were getting a little crazy because, oh, Tesla, they haven't sold that many trucks. Well, people, this is a prototype. This is a concept. This is not a truck in the final form that they're going to build. Okay, because that was going to be the next question that I was going to ask you. Because, again, we're st- aren't we still trying to f- figure out what the heck he's going to do and where he's going to put the batteries? Well, re- well, not so much the batteries. We talked last a couple shows ago 
about a trucker who looked at this and had some valid concerns, and yep. we read those concerns on the air right. yep. because it made sense. So they've got some work to do to get this truck, uh, I don't want to say marketable, but practical. Yeah, it's practical. It's still going to be a couple years down the road. No, it won't be that long. I you, think, you think within the next year it will have it? He's talking about putting the building these in 2019, which means you're going to need a, pro, a working prototype uh, of your final what you're going to build in the next six to eight months. Because it takes a while to lock down tooling. Well, and not only that, too, but doesn't the government have to approve it? Not necessarily. It's an 18-wheeler. What does it say about the companies that they're willing to fork over the money just for a truck that they haven't even finalized what it's going to be like? Uh, truckers are under tremendous pressure to reduce costs. Pennies a mile add up to big money. Yeah. So anything they think might be, they're like the railroads. What they do, they'll get it, test it, evaluate it, then decide to see if it's going to work. Like a very fast performance car with more power, it seems like I've run out of time. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.